This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. It's a double header this week. As the Claras are away at Champions Liverpool and face Fulham in the FA Cup. This is the Known and Never podcast. Hello and welcome back to another episode of your favourite podcast, the Known and Never podcast. I'm your host and joining me, so I am your host, and joining me, Natalie Bromley, this week are two beloved members of the Known and Ever team, George and Richard. Gentlemen, bumper edition and happy days. Welcome back to the show. Cheers, Natalie. Thanks for having us on again. Yeah, buzzing for this. Exactly. I'm so excited for this. And I'm very excited um, to be back as well because I missed last week and there was all sorts going on while I was away last week. I don't, I don't really know what happens when I leave you guys in charge of the podcast for a week and like you, you go off and... Uh, we get all sorts of comments back, so I think I might need to keep an eye on you, Pesky Kids, for a little bit of a, a bit longer. Um, but it's, it feels like it's a good time to be, be Burnley fans, lads. I think it's um, th- from going from the, the downer of the West Ham game and feeling a little bit down in the dumps, and that the season was slipping away from us slightly and getting a little bit closer to that relegation zone, which was making us uncomfortable. Um, what a, a difference a week makes in football! Um, George, kick us off. You must be absolutely delighted. Oh, yeah. Well, in complete contrast to how I was on the last podcast with Rich, <laughs> where, where I was just completely down in the dumps and miserable all episode. Well, what a, what a difference a week makes now. Ending Liverpool's it's not run. like you, that, George. It's not like you, isn't that? Obviously, I've been bounced back now and, and the club <laughs> have got me turned around. So I went away at Liverpool, a, a battering of an abject Fulham team, and there's even transferred rumours. So, you know, this, know. Is, this is the first time for everything this week. I know, it definitely is. Um, Rich, again, you must just be, again, obviously, you, you try and keep us on the straight and narrow sometimes, where even you in the past couple of weeks was getting really annoyed with with, with what was going on. But uh, the, the, light, the, the, light, the, the limelight is glowing, I would say. Oh, it's just a complete, you know, obviously I was on here last week with Tom and uh, George, and complete contrast to the to the performance against West Ham. You know, the, you know, I... I felt the energy and the intensity was lacking in the game against West Ham, and you know we we was full of that on Thursday. Um, you know, defended for for our lives, and he actually thought you know we played some decent football, but you know still never really looked like scoring. And then yeah, it was just an absolute magic moment uh, mm. to, to you know to get that penalty. But uh, 
Christ almighty, wasn't that last 10 minutes nervous watching it? Oh my God, I yeah. I was pacing up and down the living room. I did. And I, I, it was really funny actually because I had a lovely message um, exchange with the um, with a couple of guys who I uh, sit behind with with my season ticket. And they always laugh at me whenever I get really nervous. It's like I give myself a crick in the neck because I'm always looking behind and looking at that clock. And I was laughing saying in that last 10 minutes I would have looked to have been screaming saying, somebody stopped that clock. And I have to say, oh my God, that fake whistle. Do, do you know he there was like a, a whistle noise? I think he blew for a free kick about a minute before he actually blew again. And yeah. the commentator tried to style it out by saying, "And it's all about it." Style out, and I was cheering. Like, oh. And then, of course, Liverpool had a chance as well. I was just like, "Oh my god, this is horrendous!" <laughs> I was exactly the same, Natalie. I kind of went up celebrating, and my dad was like, same. "No, no, no, it's not over yet." And I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> it is, and, and it was then, just one of those. Yeah. Go on. No, I was just saying, and then I seen Salah running at Peters, who you know oh, who, who no. did well. He got his cross in, and I thought, oh, here, here we go. But thankfully, he blew a few seconds later, and it was yeah. it was kind of more just relief. Yeah. <laughs> it was. It ended up being one of those. I just thought that would just be one of those nights that if if you end up after everything that happened and how well we played and how everything just fell for us, if they then. Uh, What's it called? Blue, the fake whistle. We all switched off. We all celebrated, and they went and equalised in like the last kick of the game. Um, yeah, but it, it was it was a glorious night. And of course, we'll start there, and we'll start with the Liverpool game because I think that's uh, that's where we've we've naturally navigated to. And of course, Clarets, the Burnley, the Burnley winning away at Anfield, ending Liverpool's sixty eight game unbeaten run at Anfield, which is phenomenal. I think it was. Crystal Palace was it back in 2017 the last time they lost at Anfield that seems to be I might have got that start wrong but um but a phenomenal effort and I think George it was always going to be a side like Burnley that was inevitably going to to um end that campaign wasn't it you know, sometimes these these big ta- big sides and the, the managers they don't they don't quite get to grips and they can be a little bit disrespectful sometimes and don't quite um, give teams like Burnley the credit they deserve, and it felt very fitting that we were the ones to break that that record. Oh yeah, for sure. I have a couple of um, Blackburn fans and City fans, and they were buzzing. Well, the City fans were at least. And they, 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 fans weren't yeah. <laughs> and they they just said like it had to be Burnley, didn't it? Because and you know what? Actually, I I didn't think about this before the game, but after it when it was flagged up I, I remembered like the stat we had against that like, we always beat the champions of the previous season we do like mm. it was and it, it was every season we've been in the prem up until last season where I, we didn't beat city so that was the first time it hadn't happened but like it's just such a burnley thing to do to turn up to anfield that, and you know we were we were the team that we were the outlier outlying team last season by getting draw there and i, I thought i thought to myself last week we we pulled off like Good luck last season managing to do that. There's there's not a chance we'll do it do anything like that again. And yet here we are talking about a one 0 win and ending there. Like I think it was three years and ten months they hadn't lost at home. And, what, and was I, it Palace? Yeah, remember? it was Palace. Yeah, and yeah. I remember when we beat Chelsea um, in the Carling Cup 2008. They we would have because obviously it didn't count because it wasn't a league game. But we were the first team to win at Chelsea in something like three three and a half years as well in that in that aspect so you know it's, it's just it had to be us uh, and what yeah, a way to do it it did and I think Rich I saw the inevitable headlines and a lot of, of Liverpool fans whinging about it as well and a lot, a lot of like lazy press particularly those that have maybe got an affiliation to Liverpool saying that it was a smash and grab from Burnley I thought that was a horrendous and massively inaccurate headline 
Um, yes, it's, it's, I suppose it's, it's, it's what you read, like, um, you know, like I, you know, I work in Liverpool and got a lot of good friends who are Liverpool fans, and you know, they were very complimentary towards Burnley. They said yeah, we deserved it, and and actually, uh, you know, I watched a Sky um, like analysis after the game, and I thought both pundits, obviously Tom Eaton was on, which helped, but I thought Sooness as well. You could mm. see he was, you could see he was disappointed, and you know, obviously he was kind of lambasting um, Liverpool's performance, but. You know, I thought he was quite complimentary of Burnley. But at the end yeah. of the day, you, you, you kind of... I know we, we have this discussion and I don't really care what the media says. I think, obviously, you, you're more bothered about that kind of uh, stuff. Definitely, but, definitely. Well, like, I suppose it that's just a headline. It is a smash and grab, isn't it? You know, it's not like we had a lot of ball and was missing chances. We kind of, you know, we got that penalty. You know, we have nicked a win in, in, in a way. So, um, it's not something I'm... I'm too bothered about as long as those three points are in the bag and are yeah. taking them back to turf more. I think you're right, Rich. I, I think I think I am trying to learn to be less dramatic about headlines and less emotional about it. And I think it's just because I, I really care about our reputation. And, and, you know, it's a club that I just think sometimes gets... It's been unfashionably labelled as... as Sorry, conveniently fashion, uh, labelled unfashionable. And can you add something else, Natalie? Yeah, of course you can. Go on. I'm just saying, like, I thought Jamie Carragher was really complimentary. He was just kind of like saying, you know, Burnley, even though they've had a struggle to the season, I, I, I never think they're going to go down. You know, yeah, they've got a great manager. That. You know, they've got a great manager. They've got a great group of players. They're fantastically organised. I think I think someone like him, Carragher, and, and, and people who really know the football, not kind of these... You know, you get people on Twitter and, and, and stuff who kind of just say say stuff just for a reaction. But I think the majority of people who know and understand football kind of appreciate, did appreciate what Burnley did on um, against yeah. Liverpool. Yeah, I, I think that's right. And I think on the night, I didn't feel any of this and I, I felt really confident. I, it was really nice to actually bask in the praise and, and the, the, Sky com- the Sky team particularly were very careful to make sure that they gave us credit and the, the headlines were just dominated by Liverpool. I think it was just, you know, I must have just been gravitated towards a lot of negative headlines, talking about smash and grab and things like that. And I think it's, I think the reason being was when I think about a smash and grab, that to me suggests that the other side have been absolutely pounding your nets. You don't know how the ball's not gone into the back of the net. You've been by far the worst side and you've really, really struggled and you've somehow managed to get a winner. And that just wasn't the case. And George, I think one of the reasons for that is I thought it was just an absolutely masterclass in defence and and, and not necessarily, okay, maybe for the last 10 minutes we had like 10 men behind the ball. But for most of the game, it was just very well organised and very well drilled Defending, it wasn't. It was a good performance. Yeah, for sure. I mean, you just look at the stats, and well, obviously stats can be misleading. On one, on the one hand, you look at seventy-two percent possession and twenty-seven shots, but then you actually dig deeper, and you see that only six of them shots were on target to our four. Exactly. So you know, at the end of the day, like they, they didn't really offer that much, to be honest. And they yeah, they've been going through a sticky spell, but a lot of it, a lot of it's down to us. Uh, and we managed to stop them playing. And, and we chose, like, where to direct them. Like, we wanted them to go wide and put in pointless cross after pointless cross because we know we can defend against that. Yeah. So, you know, it was just a really, like, just a brilliant performance and really clever, cleverly worked to allow, I think, Carragher, who was actually, he was really complimentary, but going on about, like, Arnold, it's probably the most crosses he's made in the game. And, you know, that absolutely suits us because none of them were threatening. And I can't even really remember 
a good chance for Liverpool. There was maybe that one good pop save down to his left. But apart from that, we limited them to very few and yeah. far between chances. Yeah, I think that I think that's right. And and just when you talk about um, Alexander Arnold, then Rich, uh, he he just didn't get to grips with McNeil. Made him look ordinary, didn't it? I think that was probably one of my favourite performances of Dwight McNeil. I thought he was superb. Yeah, he was superb. I thought when he come on against West Ham, <clears throat> he was looking back to his best. And um, you know, I put a tweet out saying he, he probably won't get the praise because of Barnes going in the defensive display. But I actually felt it was a joy to watch McNeil on, mm. you know, on, on Thursday. We're kind of crying out for that creativity. And he's not going to be here for, <clears throat> sorry, and he's, and he's not going to be here forever. And yeah, he was superb. And I think his first game against Liverpool was a couple of seasons ago. And he, and he really troubled Alexander-Arnold then. And there was one piece yeah. of skill in particular where he kind of like flicked it with his other foot and got to the bar line. Which was just absolutely super. Oh, it was amazing. Yeah, I could so, watch that on repeat forever. Yeah, I think I think Burnley tweeted that that skill in isolation, which was a nice touch. Um, but yeah, fingers crossed. You know, for the second half of the season, Dwight can get back to his best because we're such a better team when he's playing in it. Um, and maybe that little injury break and having arrested him, the world of good. Do you think? I was just going to say. Do you think that's as simple as as it is? Do you think it has just been he needed that break? Well, you know, you play a lot of football, don't you? Uh, well, sorry, he has played a lot of football, so you kind of just get mentally fatigued, I imagine, and the team's not playing too well, and he's had that little break, and he, and I think it's it's not just about form, it's about having that hunger, you know what, mm. I've missed a few games, you know, you know, but he's probably gone away, assessed his performance, probably thought, I've not been at my best. And like you said, you know, West Ham, um, you know, and Liverpool, and even the Fulham game at the weekend, you know, he, he's looking back to his best, so hopefully he can take that into the game on Wednesday. Yeah, we certainly need him as well because it's going to be an entirely different game altogether when we beat Villa. Uh, when we beat Villa, oh, I see. Look at that. I've jinxed us now. Heck, uh, when we play Villa, um, it's going to be a, a completely different uh, proposition altogether. Um, George, a lot of what you guys talked about when I was away last week and you were assessing the fallout from the West Ham game is that the pressure that our front two, particularly Dash's insistence on playing Barnes and Wood up front. Um, there was no change in striker uh, for the Liverpool game. He did once again go with Wood and Barnes. But I think irrespective of form going into that game, how the game played out, it felt like that was the right decision. Yeah, big time. Just before I go on to talk about that, I've just seen something on the telly and it just shows how, how the mighty have fallen. Atkinson Stanley are beating Hull. Now, we no. Yeah, us, us and Hull... We're like the two teams. We always stuck together. Like we went up together. We came down yeah. together. And now look at us beating Liverpool away and Huller in League One losing to Aki. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, Barnes and Wood. Uh, I I think Dash has proved right. To be fair, like they they played really well against Liverpool, and it wasn't just that they worked hard. There was there was quality there, and I thought yeah. Barnes in particular was was very good. And obviously, tucked away that penalty. Very nice. I don't think he's even missed a penalty for us uh, since he joined us. You know, he's a really reliable person to just absolutely whack it into the back of the net. Um, so, you know, it's a good display. And obviously, we'll come on to the Fulham game later. But J-Rod and Vidra then obviously like played well in the Fulham game. So, it was a good week for the strikers uh, yeah, on the whole, to be honest. And it's going to be interesting to see who plays. Against yeah, I, I don't know what he's going to do. We'll, we'll have a look at that before the end of it because I'm the same as you. I'm not really sure how he's going to 
I was going to pick them. Um, Rich, I, I think I, I still think Woods a little bit under par at the moment. He's obviously desperately he needs a goal to, to get himself going. But I genuinely thought Ashley Barnes was phenomenal, and just the way he he was just he was never going to not win us that penalty. And I think it was a penalty. It was two penalties actually in the end. Um, but also, like, as George said, you just he's playing with so much confidence since he got back injured. Um, and you just never felt like he was going to miss, did you? You just felt like he was going to do exactly what he did and smash it into the back of the net. Um, would you have made any changes? Do you agree with, with me and Jordan? Do you think it was the right decision to keep them there? Would you have made any changes? What, I, what I'd say is, obviously, yeah, I thought Barnes was, was terrific in particular. You know, he was. I thought he played well against Man United, Barnes, actually. You know, I, I think against the big teams, he's, he's, he's really good when we don't have a lot of the ball because... Um, you know, it, you know when when everything you know when our midfield's so far away from our strikers, it can wing fouls. It brings the ball down. Um, I thought Barnes and Wood worked terrifically hard against Liverpool. Um, you know, like you said, some sometimes when those balls are being you know just hoofed up and 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 the feeding on scraps in that particular game, you know, I, I did think they were effective. I, this is you know me personally. I'd still like and and I'm not going to shy away from my opinion. Um, I still think Rodriguez should be our first striker on the team sheet. I know that Fulham team was quite poor, but he's just got so much quality and he's that link between the mid, mid midfield and attack. You know, for mm. me, against Villa on Wednesday, I know it's harsh and people, you know, obviously, you know, and people kind of say, well, you know, keep Wood in, but he still he still doesn't look a goal threat, even though, he's, even though he, he worked hard. You know, he still doesn't look like he's going to get in and score. So when we when we when we play against Villa and we're at home and hopefully on the front foot a, a little bit more, then I, I would like to just go and see Jay starting with uh, Barnes. But again, you know, he won't do, will he? You know, but yeah, um, yeah. Listen, I'd, you know, we we've, we've we've kind of been on this podcast, myself included, slagged Wood off, slagged Barnes off. So I just want to say, like, you know, I thought they were both very good on Thursday. They both worked really really hard. And um, yeah, it was great. Obviously, you know, Barnes won that penalty and scored the penalty. So, you know, you can't really ask for much more from his performance. No, you can't. And I think that's what you you, you want from your fans. You know, you want your fans to lift you up to the heavens when you play well and, and you need that confidence, you know, and you, you score the goals for them. Um, and, and, you know, when things aren't going quite right, they'll put their arm around you, but they'll still kick you a bit when you're not you're not performing as well as you are going to do. That's what we do as fans. And, you know, you're quite right, irrespective of the performances that Wood and Barnes have... Well, actually, maybe Wood. I think Barnes has played very well since he came back from injury. I said that a, a, a few moments ago. Um, I, I just think that, when these players do have a really good game, you know, you should, you should champion them. And they were, and another player who I wanted to mention tonight from that Liverpool game who did have another game and in fact ended up winning Sky's man of the match was the phenomenal Ben Mee, who um, I, apart from that howler where somehow Origi missed and I don't quite know how, um, which was quite a spectacular howler. We've not seen a, a, a Mee howler for a while at that level. Um, I, I thought I thought he thoroughly deserved his man of the match performance and I was really pleased to see him get it because it's usually always about Tarke. Um, and, and for Ben Mee to be recognised by the experts in his field for being that level of, of competency I think was really pleasing um but even even without that howler and things going our way uh, George it, it genuinely felt didn't it that it was a night where everything just went for us does that make sense it's, it's things like you know the Ben Me 
um, Howler just before half time that Origi missed. Um, there was the obviously uh, more Salah and Firmino didn't bury chances you would normally expect them to. And there was that, I can't remember who it was who did it, but there was that moment where somebody had put a ball and it kind of like ping-ponged across the, that Nick Pope and it could have literally gone anywhere, but didn't somehow manage to stay out of the net. And it, it's it's nice when you get those moments, isn't it, where your hard work is paid off and luck is on your side? Yeah, it did really feel like, you know, it was a, it was a night where we were probably going to win after we scored, after we mm. scored the goal, like the, I wasn't actually that nervous after we after we scored. And to be honest, like obviously we played Liverpool at a good time here, but before before both the Arsenal game where we won away and Liverpool game obviously where we've won as well, I thought like these teams are coming off the back of a bad run. No doubt they'll come up against us and just like click <laughs> and just yeah. tear us apart. Uh, and, I saw, and so I fought it before Arsenal and we proved that wrong. And then I fought it before Liverpool again and Liverpool proved that wrong again. So, you know, we played a couple of these big teams at good times, but you've still got to go out there and win. Yeah. So even though Liverpool weren't threatening, you know, that was half down to them, you know, being on a bad run of form and half down to us just nullifying them. So, yeah, like you can say the last 10 minutes was watched behind like the sofa because that's just the nature of the game. But I was still like pretty confident that we could get it over the line. Definitely. And I think it's I think it's nice to be able to pull a performance like that out of the bag and to be able to see a game out because the the Premier League can get very repetitive sometimes and you know when in it's one of those seasons when the the traditional top 6 plus a couple of extras are having the season they're expected to do and they win all of their home games and they take six points off you. You you, you kind of get pulled into the same pattern every season and it becomes Premier League survival. And I think I'll come on to this when we talk about Fulham because I think this is why I enjoyed the Fulham game so much. There's almost there's a suffocation about Premier League survival and, it, and, and until you've got past those points where it looks like you might be pushing towards the top half of the table, um, you never really relax and it's all about taking each game you don't have the freedom to play and enjoy your football but when you have nights like that where you beat the current champions and you beat Liverpool and you make the headlines because you have beaten their you've broken their 68 game run or whatever it was you've really got to take that and and enjoy it and we all certainly I think we all danced around the house um and I wonder whether that will help Rich moves on to the next games because you know, we've got the next three games are what Villa, City, and Chelsea. It might be City Chelsea the way around, but you certainly look at this Chelsea side now who've this week sat Lampard, and I'm suddenly thinking we can get something from that game. Yeah, well, I think go back to your original point about kind of obviously, you know, I think when, when you are a relegation candidate and and you are Burnley in the Premier League, you 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 do take a lot of knocks. You know, you take a you know, some battering, some tough moments. So when when you do beat Liverpool, it it, you know, away when when you beat Man United away, Arsenal away, it you know it does make it all worth it, and it kind of feels so much sweeter, you know, kind of you know knocking the big teams off the perch, even if it's for one night only. Um, but yeah, I think I'll give massive confidence. I think you know we we have got some tough games moving forward. I think first of all, obviously we've got Aston Villa coming up on Wednesday, which I think a draw wouldn't be a bad result. Uh, but but at the same time, if we can get a win in that game and keep you know that keep keep that gap from the relegation zone, I think that'll be massive. Uh, but it'll do the lads so much confidence. I think it really is a season-defining result. I remember last season, 
obviously we we beat Leicester on the Sunday when Pope saved that penalty, and then we beat the Man United, and then we beat United in in the week, and then from that moment on, you know, we were we you know we only ended up look, looking up. So hopefully it'll be a similar situation where you know maybe you know to, you know hopefully when we when 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 we are safe with a few games left, we'll we'll refer back to that Liverpool game and you go yeah that was a real turning point in the season. But at the same time, you know, we've got to be relentless. We can't rest on our laurels. You know, we've, you know, we've got to go, you know, to the first game, Villa on Wednesday at Turf Moor, with the with the right attitude, not the attitude we had against West Ham, and hopefully take the game on head on. Yeah, I think he will. I think Dyche doesn't let them relax. I think he's very good at allowing the team to enjoy moments and to have nights where they can celebrate really good results. But then they're back in the next day and it's business as usual. It's like, right, you know, it resets again. And I think I saw quite an interesting headline after the Liverpool game where he said, um, I think he said that that it changes with every game, like the landscape changes with every game. Um, And I think that was a really important point because... After the West Ham game, things looked a little bit bleak and we were kind of looking over our shoulders a little bit and it was a bit uncomfortable at the bottom of the table. And actually, we really weren't performing very well either, which is is obviously more of a worry. And then you have the week that we have this week and, and the landscape changes. So you're quite right there, Rich. You've just got to look at each game at a time and try and assess where you are this week. And if you look too far forward or you know dwell on too far back, you can end up doing damage to your season or just not performing, so very much living in the moment. Which brings me nicely, actually, on to the second half of the show, which is the second fixture that we had this week, which was our FA Cup game away at a very cold and very snowy Fulham, which... This is what I was alluding to earlier on, George. This this was a game that wasn't Premier League survival. It wasn't that shackles of, of trying to stay in the league and the fear of relegation. It was a FA Cup fourth round draw where we already knew who we'd drawn in the fifth round and we had an incentive to win against a team who we want to be beating because they are our relegation rivals in the Premier League. And... It was a team that Dyche selected that was uh, largely our second string, some really good changes, but actually at the same time a very strong FA Cup perform- uh, very FA Cup team. And what an absolute joy to watch that game with that freedom and look at what, what happened. It was, it was a phenomenal weekend. Yeah, I, I didn't expect it either. When we drew Fulham, I just thought, oh no, like, we're going to lose this. I think I'm still like, I think I'm still scarred from when we came back from the, I think it was Olympiacos and I went on the Thursday and I went to Fulham at the weekend and we got battered. It was 4-2 and we were absolutely awful. So whenever I think of that ground now, I just I just think, oh no, I, I don't want to see this game. But as you say, it was just an absolute piece of cake. They just rolled over, had the belly tickled by us and we just, we yeah. just sit, sat back and watch. And it was lovely because it was like watching was playing, you know, it was like watching a championship game again. And, you know, it was two teams who were pretty level, you know, pretty level in terms of quality. And we were just the better team, played attacking football, had possession, played it forward. You know, it was like watching us back, back in the championship. And you sometimes forget, like, how, how nice that was and just be able to watch us playing games like that rather than, you know, just being on the back foot all the time. So it was such a delight to watch. And, and at the end of the day, we 
gone away to like a relegation rival and absolutely yeah. battered them three nil. Like it does the world good for confidence. And now I'm thinking, I'm I'm thinking how I felt um, before the Fulham in the league game was cancelled, where yeah. it was like we've got the momentum now and we've got the exactly exactly the same thing again. And you know we can kick on from this. And it's I don't like I don't like having the, the next round drawn before this fixture just because. I'm a traditionalist, but it's Atkinson no Tino now. But at the same time, yeah. But at the same time, obviously, it's given us this incentive, and now we're thinking probably ahead of ourselves towards uh, watching oh, a Wembley no, game don't. from home. I, yeah, that I've been having quite a lot of conversations with people about that, really, and it does feel a little bit gutting that there's there's definitely an air of oh god, don't let us don't let this be the season we get to Wembley and the fans aren't allowed in because you'd just be devastated, wouldn't you? Although I I saw an interesting tweet and whoever tweeted me this, I'm really sorry, I can't remember who it was, uh, but somebody sent me a really interesting tweet where they said, if they had an option of winning the FA Cup, which got us into Europe, but straight into the group stages rather than those awful qualifiers, um, so we were straight into the group stages in Europe and we'd have another European um, tour, they would, and the, sorry, the, the fee for that, the sacrifice of having that was that um, you couldn't have fans in the Wembley final. He would sacrifice that to be able to see us in Europe. I thought that was quite an interesting tweet, Rich. I, I, I'm not sure whether the the fan in me would allow me that trade off. To you know, I, I just I think it would be too heartbreaking. I'm, I'm laughing my head off here. We're, we're, we're getting carried away, aren't we? Yes. We've beat MK Dons and Fulham's B team and we're getting into a group stage at Europe. And why the devil not? Why not? This is what it's all about, you know. We experience oh, the most of the law. Yeah. <laughs> I think that that is the kind of the the you know, the irony of it, is it? You know, we've you know, we have got a good chance obviously progressing further than we've done a long time than we've done in a long time and obviously an out you know, it's it's still an outside chance because the the likelihood of it is if we beat Bournemouth or Crawley, that we will get a big team in the quarter final and could 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 get them away, which would be difficult. But at the end of the day, you know, it 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 is disappointing, but it'll just be great, you know. Even if hopefully by then, you know, the semi final and the final restrictions have eased, and you can maybe watch the game with family and friends, and it feels a bit more like everybody's together. Uh, fingers crossed. Who, who knows? They might put you you don't you don't know what, what what's going to happen. You know, say if we. You know, we can only hope, um, and we do get to the final. They they may allow some fans, but we'll have to see. But um, yeah, it like you. And I was going to go back to what George said, and, and you said, Natalie. It was it was really great to see us, you know, play some such such nice attacking football. And I thought we completely battered. Yeah, we did. I the only slightly thing that I don't agree with George was is that he felt that it was like two championship teams and newer teams of equal quality. I felt that the team we put out on the pitch. Even if that was our B team and Fulham's B team, ours was yeah, very I agree. much better. Sorry, George. Much better. You're overruled with that one. Much better. Like those two, those 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 two centre halves were like Laurel and Hardy for Fulham. That Ream and he- he- and Hector. And I've been actually quite impressed with Fulham recently. Well, very impressed actually. Maybe they're just kind of missing a bit of Premier League now to get some points over the line. But what it but what it did emphasise to me watching Fulham, if they get a couple of key injuries. One of their main centre halves gets injured, or a Luckman gets injured. What what they've got coming in is far far weaker, and you know maybe we've had our injury spell. So maybe you know, say if Fulham had theirs, I think they'll definitely go down. 
So, yeah, it was a great afternoon and it's kind of, I'm really excited about the FA Cup this year. Obviously, yeah, I've got ties, I've got ties to Charlie, um, you know, work, I've worked with Charlie, you know, with, with uh, some of the scholars on the education programme. So it was fantastic to see um, Charlie kind of do so well in the FA Cup. Two of my students was on the bench too for Charlie, which was really nice. Um, but it was also great to see Cheltenham. I thought they were going to beat City in, in yeah, the end. Me so too. I really think, yeah, I, I actually think the magic of the cup has been there this year more so than many other years. Why do you think it seems that quite is? Strange without, Why do you think that is? Really? I think there's been a lot of upsets. I think maybe I think this season's been really. It, it's such a strange one because it, it's so it, it's still so crap without having fans back. But it, I actually think the football has been exciting this year because. Some of the underdogs are beating teams like we beat Liverpool. Um, you know, some of the you know the title race is close in the Premier League, and I think there was a lot of like you said in the cup. There's been a lot of upsets. You know, we've seen Marine play Tottenham. You know, Skem, who were like round the corner for me and play. You know, have played Harrogate. You know, I had a Palomine in midfield for Skem. Just like different things like that. I kind of and, and I think it's like you know Crawley beating Leeds three 0 obviously being Bournemouth. So I think it's kind of. Because there has been a lot of upsets and there's been a lot of kind of those lower league, those lower league teams in it, and maybe because and maybe because of COVID, more people are watching the FA Cup. Yeah. Where I know for me personally, because I watch so much football, saying say in normal life when the FA Cup was on, that would be the weekend the missus would make me do something. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like you, you know, you, I don't know. Maybe I'm talking nonsense, but I don't know. Yeah, I think because people have actually watched it more this season, there's been a lot of upsets. There's been a lot of kind of lower league teams and non-league teams who have done really well. You know, I think it's just captured the imagination. And yeah, right. that, 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 that was a long rant that, wasn't it? So. <laughs> I'm not going to put that in rant category. I'm just going to put that in passion. No, that was going to rant. No, uh, no I, I'm completely on board with all those points, which I, I feel exactly the same. I have enjoyed the third and fourth round FA Cup weekends more than I have done in a long time. It, it does always help when you're still in it as well. But I, I did wonder whether, you, you touched on this, Rich, when you were talking about the amount of football we're watching and everybody's tuning in because we've got nothing else to do at the moment. You know, it, it did feel like there's been a lot of really good performances from the lower league teams. And I did wonder whether that is always the case. That's indicative of the FA Cup. It's just that normally, because there's not as much football on television, you don't see it as much, maybe. I don't know whether that that... That's something to think about. Um, but certainly, George, from our own performances, I think one of the reasons why I enjoyed the Fulham game so much was just the, the I guess, the, the, the intention from the off, the energy and the, the directness and the aggressiveness and, and the change in strikers. We got Matty up front, we got Jay up front and it felt completely different, didn't it? And actually we were a joy to watch. Um, and I think in that instance where it was right to have Wooden Barnes for the um, Liverpool game, I think it was right again to have Matty and Jay for the Fulham game. I think it worked. Yeah, certainly. And just before I go on to that, I was, I was just going to say that there's an extra incentive for these lower league clubs now because of COVID, they've lost so much money. Um, you know, I've, I can't remember who was playing at the weekend. It was one of the lower league clubs that was still in and they were saying, oh, it was Cheltenham. And they were saying how much money that they're making from that cup tie against City, which would offset some of the losses that they've made this year. So I think that probably contributes to why there's been so many good yeah. performances from the lower league clubs. They've got that real incentive, like the jobs almost on the line. 
Uh, but back to the Fulham game, oh, it, it was really um, a good game to watch. And I was surprised from the off because usually at the start of both halves, to be honest, we're a pretty slow going team to start. But straight from the, the, the whistle, we were we were at them, at Fulham, and for the first 10 minutes, like we were just on top of them. And going away to a team as well, it, it was after years of being in the Premier League and sitting back away and, you know, just talking for 1-0, it was like, it was weird to actually see us away at this Premier League club, albeit a Fulham B team, and, and, and go forward and try and attack. And I thought Rodriguez and Vidra, I don't, I don't think Vidra actually had that good a game. Ah. I, I don't think he's like forced his way into Can the we talk about this, at the start. But, but, but Can we just Jay pause that there? Because I had this on my list and I was toying with the idea as to whether we, we would do this. And I want both of your opinion on this. Obviously, Wood particular has been under a lot of pressure recently. And we've been, you know, we've had this and people are saying free, free matting, all of that. But every single time I see him play, I never feel like he's done enough to justify pushing like Barnes or Wood out and I, I just didn't feel it at the weekend is that really harsh I thought he did well but I wouldn't be that confident in dropping even Chris Wood at the moment to start him actually let's come to you first then Rich because I know you you've been on Wood's back a little bit and just trying to, to get his performance would you, would you did Vidra do enough for you to drop Wood what I would say about Vidra is and I'll come on to it in, in a minute about dropping Wood is I think he's a lovely player. I think he's got some lovely touches. I really like his movement, and I think he offers us something different. And I think he is very much underused by Dice, especially when we go 1-0 down, and it's blatant to see with half an hour to go, we're not going to score with Wooden Barnes up front. But I think there's just something a little bit missing that, in my opinion, I, I wouldn't start him as a regular in, in a Premier League game, but I would definitely use him more. Um, but, you know, I, I said it bif, 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 following the podcast I think my starting combination for the next few games moving forward but especially seeing JB so shall would be yeah. Jay and her band well there's quite a lot of there's quite a lot of rumour at the moment that we might be and we'll, we'll come on to this this later on um, in fact no let's move on because I, I, I we'll just interchange around at the moment one of the things that, that's been talked about at the moment with incoming uh, players is Josh King from Bournemouth and there's been a lot of talk about Matty being a trade-off for him do you see that as quite a good it just looks like Matty's on his way out doesn't it just like he wants to leave his agents very vocal and very um, open in the press about how he just wants him out of turf more because he's fed up of him not getting football. Do, would you be happy then with that swap, Rich, to, to, to swap him around for that? Yeah, more than happy. I think King's somebody who I've what you know we've seen in the Premier League. Maybe last season he wasn't quite at it. I think he had injuries, but I think he's a very, very good player and he can play out wide too. He's exactly a Dice, you know, kind of what Dice has had in the past with a striker, and he's got much needed pace, which we're crying out for. And I do, ultimately, like I said, I like Vidra and, and, you know, when he is underused. But I think if we can pay a fee, um, a, a, a smaller fee, and then include Vidra, I think that would be a good bit of business uh, to get King. He was, uh, you know, someone who, who was quite excited with when we was linked with him. But I still think we're not quite... We, we, we It's a funny one because we are at that level as a Premier League club, but... I still think maybe financially in the way the model is, I, I still don't think we'll get King. But, may, may, but maybe if we get Vidra off the wage bill and we don't have to pay as much of a fee, then then it might make the deal um, kind of more more suited to us. Yeah. But I do think it'd be a very, very good signing and a signing that would ec- excite me personally. Yeah, I think that's probably right as well. I, I think 
I, I just think that this team is crying out for fresh players and a bit of freshening up. And I think the fans as well just would like to see some new names on the team sheet and just a slightly different approach by players and a different way of, of, of just approaching games as well. It feels at the moment that we're in a ridiculous Groundhog Day and we're all in lockdown. And I think it would we've not had any decent signings for such a long time. Um, but it just feels a little bit like we could just do with that, just that change and just a, a new shirt. Um, some other uh, players who are rumoured to come in as well. Um, this has come out today, which is kind of, gathered traction today through the news is apparently when advanced talks to sign uh everton's fringe player john joe kenny who is at right back now uh, george i know rich has been crying out is it rich or is it, it might be Tosh? it's one of you keeps crying out saying that we have to to look at right back and both Bardsley, i think and matt lawton are out of contract at the end of this this season um we didn't necessarily put those positions in somewhere that were important for the January transfer window. But I think this would be a good signing if we can bring them in. Yeah, I think we're crying out for a new right back. Um, you know, I think Lawton's doing a good job for a few for like five five or so years now since he's come in. But I just I think we want someone who offers a bit more going forward, has a bit more quality about him and someone who can get out the opposition. Because obviously we've got Taylor on the other side who does that that job. And I think we're just we're just lacking in the quality on the right with both the the wing position and the, and the fullback. Uh, and obviously, it's funny how we all whenever we get linked with these sort of players, we all become sort of experts on them, even though we've never watched them play. And it's the exact same with me and Kenny and the, uh, the Collins who will come on to. But you know, I have heard like when people watched Schalke last season, which was a rubbish team under David Wagner, mm. but Kenny was a, a, a standing a standout player from what I've heard. So. A young player, someone that we can bring in, develop. It's the exact kind of transfer that we go for, you know, a la Brownhill, a la Trippier back in the day. So, you know, it'd be a really good signing that if we can get him at a, a cut price, because I don't think he's going to get a look in at Everton. Um, yeah, right back's definitely somewhere we, we, we need to upgrade because Bardsley's probably going to go in the summer. Uh, I'd like Lawton to become our second choice, really. Yeah, it, it, there's a lot of press articles I've been reading throughout the day looking at this this news that's been emerging is that he has been likened to Trippy actually. And I think that's probably right, Rich, isn't it? In that both Barsley and Lawton are much more defensive-minded and we tend to not really create much on that right side, uh, whereas obviously we've got the Taylor-McNeil uh, partnership on the left so if we could get somebody like Kenny in who could partner up with somebody like Good Munson and we're suddenly creating chances from two sides of the pitch wouldn't that be something can I be a killjoy for the first time tonight oh John Joe Kenny is nothing like here in Trippier <laughs> he would not be in anywhere I watched him last season for Schalke and to me he reminds me of a young Matt Lowton that steady reliable he's got a nice right foot but he's, 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 he's not that quick. He's not like a tailor who'll be able to beat people and who's that powerful. For me, I think it's a decent signing for £7 million, a young player, and Dyche might um, obviously you know, improve him. Again, like, a few of my best mates are Everton fans, and they all said that he'd do a decent job for you, but he's, 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 he's nothing special. So... Sorry for being a bit of a killjoy. He doesn't. What I'd say, right. what I'd say, he doesn't excite me as much as the Josh King and that Nathan Collins rumor excites me. Never seen him play, but just hearing kind of what Stoke fans and journalists from Stoke say about him and kind of 
you know, he's one of the best young centre-halves in the country. That really excites me, that deal. I think if we was only to get one deal over the line uh, this January window, I, I think a right winger's absolute paramount. I think Brady's come in and, does a, and, has, and has done well. He's actually done better than a thought he would have done. Um, yeah. But he still lacks quality. You know, some of his deliveries, you know, that's not his bread and butter aren't quite there. I really like Gunmanson as a winger, but he's just so injury prone. So I think for me, we need that pace in the team. We need that bit of spark. So if we don't sign anyone at all, I think a right winger is essential. Um, but yeah, like, say say if we got two of Kenny, King and Collins, I think that would represent an excellent first transfer window uh, for Mr. Pace. But um, it's nice to see us be linked with people and actually bidding for people. Yeah, um, it does, you know, doesn't it? it? Because <laughs> it, it's been a while and, and we're looking at the right type of player. You know, young players who's got potential to improve, which which is what the squad needs. Um, but you know, at the same time, it's a you know, the, I think the deadline's first of February, isn't it? Because because he won't do it on a Sunday, so I think it's first of February. Um, it's a big week now for Alan Pacey. You know, he's talked a good game, and I've been really impressed with him. And I'm not going to completely judge it if we don't sign anyone. But I think if he makes a couple of good signings, a couple that will improve the team and the squad, I think it'll set his tenure out on a really good foot uh, moving forward. Yeah. But I do think in the summer we're going to have a decent overall the players because because we need it. You know, we need we're crying out for more quality in midfield. That's the one area of the team that we do need more from. Westwood and Brown will have done a very very good job, but you know they're not. You know, we need. I I think we need a you know a, a better ball player in in there with those two, and you know, as one of some someone might correct me as 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 one of our midfielders scored in a league game this season. I think Westwood scored one, didn't he, from that corner? But it's not good enough. Uh, yeah, no, you're probably right. You know, we, you know, uh, we, Westwood scored right, against. Really score really he scored against Millwall in the cup, but not in the prem. Oh yeah, we did. So yeah, we need we need more for midfield. You know, we we need more goals. We need more creativity. Um, but yeah, that that that's kind of my thoughts moving forward on the this transfer window and moving no, forward like to it. the next one. Just before I let you let you move on, and we, we just pick up on the, the final points we want to talk about. Obviously, you're talking about um, if we get two from those three, it would be a very very good um, opening transfer window for our new chairman. But then at the same time, there's a very obvious lack of winger in those three, and there's an obvious lack of pace there as well. So even if we don't sign a winger, you're Still feeling that that would be a successful window, or does it have to be a winger? It, is it, that's what I'm trying to get at. Is it's like how can we have a successful transfer window if the one position that we desperately need is a winger and we don't sign them? Yeah, I get what you mean with with, with that. So I'm kind of you know con- contradicting my own comment. I think where we are now, we've got a lot of players who are kind of like do a job. Well, Peters he'll do a job. Bards he'll come in and do a job. Brady will do a job. So I, I think there's some really key positions that we need to improve the quality on the pitch. So, yeah, for me, I think a winger is number one. But I, I don't think we're going to go down this season. So um, it's it's a really hard one to kind of... Yeah, I don't really know. Go on, George. Are you, you kind of, it is, it's tough, isn't yeah, it? It I really is tough. We, we want to say a, a winger is number one. But if if we only come out with Kenny 
and Collins. From I'm kind of judging where we've been in the past. I would still say that's been a good window for us. But yeah. Winger, if if I could say we, we we could only sign one player out of those three mentioned, I would take Josh King now. And I'll kind of leave Fine. George, where do, where do you sit on that? Do you think we can have a successful transfer window in January if we don't bring in some pace up front? On the wing, sorry. I'm not sure about that, to be honest. I, th- I think uh, K- Kenny and Collins are both players that we could have signed in the past. The similar sort of calibre of players that we signed in the past anyway. You know, with Brownell last year, you know, the, the sort of players we've already... We could have signed under Garlic, let's be honest. And yeah, there'd be decent signings, but neither of them would come straight into the team. So it wouldn't actually improve the first team from January. I think King's an unreasonable transfer because he's going to be asking for a hundred grand or more in wages from the looks of it, which is just scandalous. And there's no reason for us to break our wage structure like that for for a guy who barely, who's barely played in the championship this year. So you know, I'm I'm hoping that you know we've got something undercover uh, before deadline day, a transfer that's not one of these three names that maybe a winger because I think we're crying out for it. I put it in the chat earlier. And I said, I think our right wing, we're just lacking so much creativity. Like Brady, yeah, can come in and do a job, but he doesn't beat a man. He doesn't attack a fullback. He puts the odd good cross in and like he, he can slot into midfield a bit. But that's all he does. He's not actually an exciting winger to watch and put us on the front foot. And we need someone to, to relieve that burden from McNeil. So, yeah, Collins and Kenny would be decent signings, but I'd want more more, more than that personally. I, I, I don't think it shows any of like the future intents of what we're trying to do as a club. Excellent. That was hard. <laughs> what I, say, George, I asked the question. I, I agree on Kenny, but I think Collins would be an, an, an excellent signing. I think that would that's a signing that would get me out of my I do team. too, After hearing all the reports and kind of, you know, loads of journalists have, have come out and said, this is the young best centre-half not just in the championship, but in the country. You know, he's he's got a bit of everything. You know, he's only 19, you know, and, and, and he could go to the very, very top. I get where you're coming from in that it's a signing that we could have made in the previous era. But I think that's maybe where expectations have got to be lowered a little bit in the fact that, yeah, like you mentioned there, I, I've heard conflict, conflicting reports about Josh King's wages and what he wants. Um you know, some are saying he wants under grand a week. Some are saying he'd take a pay cut to come back to the Prem. That's why Burnley might be linked with it. But I think, I still don't think we're quite there yet. And maybe in the summer, once Pace has got his feet under the table and we're safe, etc., we'll kind of make that higher profile signing. But I think for January, I just don't think we'll be, I, I just don't think we'll see a kind of signing like that. I hope I'm wrong, George. But like I said, yeah, I get where you're coming from. But I, with Kenny, but I think Collins will be an excellent signing. And if we pay ten million for a nineteen-year-old or around that figure, I think that's a big statement about what the current board want to do moving forward in signing the best young talent in the country. And you've got to bear in mind as well, like you say, it's, there's a, every possibility that talk is going in the summer anyway. You know, Leicester look like they want him again. There's been rumours that Chelsea want him as well, although with Lampard going in the, today, we don't really know whether that's going to fade away. But we've got to, like you say, we've got to be be, be, be proactive, bring them in now, you know, get him training with Tarky and Ben Mee throughout the next six months so he's ready to step in when Tarky does make that move. Um no, it, it's an interesting one. Um, it really is. I, I think where I stand at the moment, I think not bringing anybody in is inexcusable. Um, I don't care how hard the January transfer window is. I just think there is, I think we have to bring somebody in. That's just 
my personal view, I think that would be the worst. I think um, if we only bring one player in, I think it has to be um, a winger and somebody for that pace up front um, to help with the strikers. But actually, I completely um, agree with what Rich was saying about some of these um, players that we're being linked with would be phenomenal. Um, signings for the future and, and would be good progress so watch this space let's see what what's happening um final point the only other thing that i've seen in the press today that i just wanted to pick up on before we leave um is this idea that um we, we always get this when when a manager gets sacked and of course we're recording this when lampard's been sacked from chelsea today um Dash's contract runs out next year and he's saying he's not particularly worried that he's not got a long amount of time on there he's quite happy to just see what happens. Do you think that's probably been eased because we've got a new board and he's looking forward to to working with him? I, I can't imagine he'd be that happy if we hadn't have sold George and we were still having the Mike Garlic Sean Dash battles. I think it's. Uh, I imagine after the transfer window, Pierce will probably be looking to extend that contract. I would have thought. Yeah, you'd have thought so. It's interesting on that point that Garlic's obviously still at the club. Right, I don't know. Whether him and Dash will ever talk, to be honest, it doesn't sound like it. Doesn't sound like it, does it? (laughs) Very, very good. Uh, But I think think everything Dash has said has just been to say, like, um, obviously, he's only, he's he's had like a change of ownership in the last month. Like, obviously, he's not, they're not going to, neither side's going to come down and commit to a long term contract already. So, you know, it's not something I'd worry about. Uh, I I think hopefully he'll stay. I I just want to see him, if if he can stay at Burnley for like 10 years, that's like such a landmark thing in modern football the 10-year mark so yeah here's hoping that he signs contract but I wouldn't expect it to be looked at until at least the summer fine good um uh final thoughts then Rich from you we're away it's not at home aren't we sorry to Villa midweek um riding high on this confidence two key questions then number one um I know who you want to start up front but who do you think Daesh will pick up front? And secondly, how winnable do you think this game is? Yeah, I think, well, I think Daesh will start Wooden Barnes. I don't think there's any question about that. I'd be very surprised if there was a change um, to the team that beat Liverpool. The only change he might do is maybe Goodmanson for Brady, but uh, I I think he'll stick with the team uh, that beat Liverpool. But like I said, Jay's really knocking on the door more than ever now. Um Maybe maybe this is Wood's last chance against a team that, sorry, they're a very good side, but against, uh, you know, obviously not one of your top, top elite teams, you know, at home. Maybe, maybe it's his last goal. Um, yeah, but Villa are doing very, very well. I've been really impressed with Villa this season. I think they're clearly the most improved team. And, you know, it's easy to point the finger and go, well, they've spent money, but that's what, you know, that, that's what we want to do. And, you know, you've got to recruit well. You've got to pay, you know, big money now in the Premier League. And But money doesn't always equal success. And I think Dean Smith's a very likeable chap and he's done a great a great job. So it's going to be a, a tough game. I wouldn't sniff, um, you know, turn my face away at, at, a, at a draw. But I think it's a game, you know, we, if we go on the front foot, I definitely think we can win. So I'm going to go for the classic 1-0 win, Burnley. Excellent. Same to you, George. Yeah, I think we can. I, I think we can carry on the momentum uh, that we that we've got at the moment and getting a nick a win. To be honest, Villa, as you say, it's been a very good team this year. But you know, I, th- I think they're the kind of team that can come away to Burnley, put in enough in performance, and we can grab a win. So yeah, I'm really confident that we can um, that we can go and get a win tomorrow, and that will really leapfrog us up the table a bit. 
mm. just build that gap, get, build that gap to the bottom three, and everything will be looking rosy again. Fingers crossed. Well, do let us know what you think um, about the, what the game will be. Um, I think Dave and I are going to have a look at this later on tonight at the preview show and just see, look at some stats and, and maybe analyse that a little bit later. But just with with confidence riding high in the side, it will obviously be just about the right time to play this and you know a good a good chance for us just to reassess where now the squad's getting back together and some of our key players have returned just how much we are improving in you know I guess in correlation to those sides who we consider to have really upped their game this season so all eyes will be on turf more and let's see whether we can get some chances created and just get some goals scored that would be very nice um and that's all we've got time for this week. We've looked at the euphoria of two fantastic wins, two penalties as well, which is um, fantastic. Uh, you know, who knows what's been going on recently. We're getting penalties all over the place. Um, and we, we're we riding high into a new week. So do uh, tune in if you can and follow the Clarets and do let us know what you think the um, striker selection will be. I'm always very keen to know what our listeners think. Um, we've been talking about, see what your team selection would be. You know how to get in touch. Tweet us at known and ever or email us at podcast at net. I think I'm struggling from brain fog. Um, I couldn't remember our email address then. So you know how to get in touch with us listeners because I clearly don't. Um, Dave and I will be back in the next 24 hours to preview the Villa game and then the rest of the team will be back sometime next week to look at the the next probably two fixtures I would have thought um keep an eye on social media and we will let you know when those podcasts go out my thanks as ever go to producer Matt for putting this together and getting it out there to my fantastic colleagues Richard and George for their input and analysis tonight to band Joyce for giving us our music royalty free thanks very much Joyce um and to you the listener for downloading and listening to this podcast your support is very much appreciated and we would not be here without you I have been Natalie Bromley. This has been the Known and Never podcast. Until next time. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.